handle the truth. Should we or should we not follow the advice of the galactically stupid? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. Clearly, don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am not in danger, Skyler. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No. I am the one who knocks. Everybody, to another episode of the Righteous Prick Podcast. I am your host, J.L. Covan. It is 3.36 p.m. Eastern on Sunday, January 16th in the year of our Lord, 2022. How are we out there? Good, I hope. Don't really care, but hope you're doing well. And if you're not, that's okay, too. Um, recording this on a Sunday because uh, despite it being Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King uh, Jr. Esquire's uh, birthday and national holiday tomorrow. I will be, uh, I have to do two other podcasts and legal work tomorrow. Not in the office, not on the clock, but it's really one of those, I guess, would it be a Hobson's choice? I don't know. I think that's when you have, or a Sophie's choice or, or a taster's choice if you're into coffee. Whatever choice, let's be pro-choice today. And I'm pro-choice when it comes to making your own choice analogy. But... Um, <clears throat> Uh, work is, as I've been repeatedly saying, busy and, um, there's a Thursday night deadline with work and they just kind of do it. You know how Heath Ledger just pop broke a pool cue and threw it down to two people and said, uh, you know, winner gets to work for me. That's how it sometimes feels with work. It's like, yeah, no, yeah. Enjoy your three-day weekend. Just understand that if you choose not to do any work over this three-day weekend, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, um, you might want to, um, you know, so do self-harm, if not worse. So uh, feel free to do some work this weekend. But if you want to enjoy your, th enjoy your three-day weekend and just know that you might start cutting um, or poisoning yourself or committing crimes or, or, or contemplating ending it all. And that cookie just walked in and decided she needed to shake it off like Taylor Swift right on the desk. She just flapped and bumped the desk with her uh, vigorous shake. So if you heard a shake, um, that was not a tsunami or uh, an earthquake uh, or my upstairs neighbors who left, who have moved, uh, so like Walter White in season four of Breaking Brad, Skyler, I won. It felt so good seeing their moving truck come in and go, never will I have to hear your children running at 6 a.m. and your uh, large body. I'm talking about the woman, okay? I'm trying to be nice, but she was the one with the poundage. Uh, just thudding around, but I think he was also doing stuff. I'm not blaming her entirely. The whole family didn't understand what it was like to apparently live in an apartment building where, you know, there's somebody underneath you who doesn't want uh, thudding at all times of the day. Anyway, um, basically, this was a, an incredibly long roundabout way of saying, I have a lot of work to do this week. So I figured I'm here alone on a sun. Well, not alone. Okay. Cookie lives matter. Uh, Cookie is here. And, uh, so I said, uh, let me, let me do the podcast now. I have not much to say. So good news for everybody. Uh, the positivity streak will continue this week, if only because I don't have a lot to say. So that's really, 
even if the tone of this episode becomes negative, it's going to be a short one, which in and of itself is a positive. So there will be positivity abounding. Now, this is the second to last episode before I hit the road. So I need to remind you guys, I don't, I don't need to, but I'm going to. I shouldn't need to. How about that? I shouldn't need to. But every day on social media, I encounter massive quantities of stupid. So no offense to you guys as I cherish you as fans and as dedicated real fans. But you know, that's not to say three or four of you might not be dumb as fuck. But I, pr I appreciate you. I appreciate you and I, uh, I respect you, but you, uh, you might be a, a, a short bus stupid motherfucker. So, um, but everybody else who's not that listening right now, nothing but respect. But to the two or three of you who are just horrific, uh, thank you for listening. Give it a five-star review. Uh, and uh, <laughs> um, no, so we got Chicago, January 27th. Big show. Do I need to say that? Big show. So if you're in Chicago, if you have a friend in Chicago, if you know a friend or a family member in Chicago who is a fan of mine, please tell them to get tickets. Get them tickets. Get, we, need, we need audience. Oh, I'm not saying that. I don't know how ticket sales are. I know I've gotten a really good response from Chicago. So that's just my way of saying uh, I don't know how desperate I am, but more ticket sales equal more money equal more bookings at improvs across the country, which means coming to your city. So instead of saying to me for that 97th time, what about what about uh, come stay in Idaho? When are you going to perform here? You have a lot of fans here. Three. Uh, <laughs> The more audience I sell, especially at chains like the Improvs, the more I can go to other cities. And they have a lot of clubs around the country. So I get a lot of requests for Florida. I get Texas requests. So there's multiple Improvs in those states, just to name two among many of our 50 states. So Chicago's first, then San Jose for all my Northern California people. That's February 2nd. All, ticket, all info and links are on my website. Uh, links. We had another. I had into another argument this week uh, with somebody over links, um, and you know it, it's it's really true that I really don't believe. Like the person who needs the link, it's an irony. It's a catch twenty two. It's a something, but the person who needs the link probably isn't coming to your show. Like if the thing stopped, it's like, hi, I'm traveling 800 miles to your city. You've wanted to see me perform for a year and a half. Link. Oh, okay, so you don't really give a shit. You don't actually like. So I've done ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the work, but you, seeing this announcement on an internet powered device, whether it be your computer or phone or tablet, the only thing stopping you now from coming to see me in Chicago, it's like I live two blocks from the Chicago Improv, but Link. <laughs> So I don't, I, I don't, it's, it's a tough thing because you have to educate people on social media on like what works on social media. And the big thing on social media is as soon as you post a, an external link on a Facebook or a Twitter, you drastically drop the amount of people who will eventually see that post. So what you're basically banking is, well, if 10,000 people see this tweet, if I don't post a link and 3,800 people see it, if I do post a link, I'm banking that reaching those 10,000 people, the people who want to see me will go on their device and go, oh, okay, let me go up in that web browser, chicagoimprov.com, boom. And the people who that's too much effort for don't really, it's, it's, so it's engaging in that is really more of just my, it's really my way of allowing Righteous Prick fans to have less negativity in their life because instead of waiting and harboring it all week and just draining myself, um, you know, un unleashing, uh, you know, just spraying a negativity load all over the ears of my listeners. Instead, what I do is I sometimes engage with people on social media and just uh, condescend and am rude and dismissive because uh, they are not the ones I care about as much. I would rather the people who listen to me consistently have a more pleasant experience. So not afraid of alienating strangers on social media. Uh, I will be, I think, posting the Ron Reagan clip that I took off the TV just showing from last week, showing that he's just, he doesn't have that. He's not about that life anymore. Not afraid of burning in hell. It's like, oh, that's a more reasonable atheist, Ron Reagan Jr. Um, but Chicago, San Jose, flappers in Burbank, all my Southern California people. And, and I know there's plenty going, but 
you know, these, these three shows, the more audience, the mo, mo audience, mo money. <laughs> um, allow me to worry about the problems later. Okay, let's just do our part of the equation, which is mo audience, mo money. Um, and then let the righteous girlfriend and cookie deal with the mo problems, which is basically what 2020 and 2021 was. Uh, uh, instead of mo money, mo money, mo mental problems was was my more full uh, puff daddy. Ver can we get a can? Is there a way we can do? Um, uh, maybe we can record a, a remix um, about my 2020 2021 experience. Mo money, mo mental problems. Uh, is that a good title for the episode? Mm. <laughs> Probably. Um, and then we have Salt Lake. Uh, well, not Salt Lake. Jordan Jordan Landing, which is just outside of Salt Lake City, um, on February 10th. Then, as always, billions. And then I'm going to give you an update on the special, folks. Exclusive for you guys for listening. I hope you're excited. I'm mildly excited and hugely disappointed all at once. It's pretty much the contradiction that I live with at all times. But like I said, those four shows. Um, I don't know where my career will be in, in six months. I hope thriving and doing well, but it could be over. There's a wide range of possibilities going from thriving and successful to uh, dead. Not me, my career. I will hopefully be alive and as well as possible. But um, yeah, that's it. I mean, Chicago, San Jose, Burbank. I'm just going to say Salt Lake City because it's just – but you, if you're in Utah, you can find it. But all four, all four ticket links are on my website. Uh, oh, oh, Right. Right. I, I forgot I did book something else. Uh, waiting for the contract, but I'll be back at City Winery in Boston uh, July 14th and 15th. That's a Thursday and Friday. It'll be three shows in their smaller room. Not afraid of getting demoted, but making potentially more money. Um, yeah, I won't be in the big room, but that really doesn't bother me because I kind of just want to spend the weekend in Boston to be honest, like, so I don't, I, I know people in Boston, Boston's a great city, and I hate the, and I got a Thursday, Friday, I couldn't get a Friday, Saturday, but Thursday, Friday is pretty good. Um, a lot better than the Monday they gave me in 20, uh, <laughs> in 2021. But that's, I guess, if you're a Boston person, maybe, maybe pencil in July 14th and, and 15th. Um, so that'll be fun. So yeah, I guess the career in the words of Ted Kennedy, the schedule never empties, the dream never dies. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who I'm actually fucking performing for who my audience is because I'm in this here. Okay. Let's do this folks. This isn't gonna be negative. Don't worry. I know I just kind of prepped you with like uh, settle down, strap in. This is going to be brutal. No, no. I think I'm in uh, you know, once again, my, my eventual memoir, Middleman, which is just a reference to so many things, being a center in basketball, being the middle of every picture uh, in, in school from kindergarten to 12th grade because I was the tallest, being a feature act, the middle act in comedy for over a decade. Um, and, and, and there's so many more ways, which despite standing out physically um, and metaphorically, uh, I end up stuck in the middle. You know, which is why the trailer will um, have stuck in the middle the song from, you know, among other things, uh, Reservoir Dogs, when he cuts the ear off of a guy. Anyway, that'll be playing during the trailer. That's in my fantasy of when my memoir becomes a hit, uh, f a hit film. But uh, middle, the middle. What's weird is that I think I occupy this space. Both in comedy, like a lot of a lot of my fellow comedians who are who are you know have either quit or just plateaued, uh, they we all occupied this space where we did enough of our we started comedy in a totally different world. We're like the last generations of comedians. Like I started in '03, there was no YouTube, there was no face like like there. If these things existed, they existed in like experimental levels, beta levels only. The things that now dominate our lives basically for the most part did not exist. And if they did exist, they certainly weren't omnipresent dominant parts of American social and entertainment life. So I start comedy in this kind of write, make a tape, send it to clubs, show up to clubs, say hi, watch some sets, try to make friends with people, go to open mics. Just keep piecing your act together, and when you're ready, do a fest. Do do like you know, do a festival or or submit to something, and 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 you hope uh, the best. But it was all, um, you know, 
just what, what's your stand-up? There were no podcasts. There were no – like none of that. No other – now, a lot of people will think that's good, but it's harder when you emerge in the old world because your your DNA is beginning – your comedy DNA is being formed in this world that's you don't know is going to disappear in six to nine years, but it will. Whereas somebody who starts five years later, they might start with a YouTube channel. And they might start with a po- or they might start a podcast when it's new and branch out. Whereas you're in this world, this caveman world of, well, I want to be a stand-up comedian, so it's a good thing I've been working on my stand-up comedy. Wait, what? That's not really the path, uh, or that's a meaningless path, or that's an arbitrary path. It's no longer the defined career path of a comedian or a stand-up comedian. So that's you know, that's sort of a tricky thing. Um, in terms of like navigating your your career that way. And I think in a broader sense, I represent sort of a weird generation, which is like the generation that used to show off knowing trivia and memorizing things. And now that's sort of a waste of brain space. So I'll be talking, and this has happened more and more in my career, but for instance, I was just quoting a Ted Kennedy speech from 1980, well, mock quoting a Ted Kennedy speech from 1980, which they play from time to time during political conventions. And I know there's probably old people on listening or older people listening to this podcast going, I remember that very well, JL. Keep on doing what you're doing. But then there's some 29-year-old listening to this going, who's Ted Kennedy and why is JL weird? <laughs> it reminds me of the time when I when Ben Roethlisberger had allegedly raped some women and it was on the cover of sports pages, but also sort of national news because he was a champion Super Bowl quarterback. And that's the two things this country cares about are champions and Super Bowls. And he was both. Um, and to a lesser extent, we also sometimes care about sexual assault. So he was really hitting all big, big things together. And I remember I did a joke. I was in a Hoboken bar. And this is before I had really honed my comedy condescension to deal with hecklers to now where it's almost a strength of mine when a joke bombs um you know great counter punching is sort of like i have i have friends who have always said they think i'm hilarious but they particularly enjoy when a joke of mine doesn't go over well because it's like my way of dealing with a crowd that isn't getting a joke is their favorite thing to see, but it can only it can only be born out of failure. Um, so you know it's a, it's a, but it, we end up usually everybody enjoying themselves. But I remember this woman. I had said something about I was making a joke. Uh, ben Roethlisberger. I had said it was in in October, Hoboken. It had to have been like I don't know 2011, 2010, 2012, somewhere in that range. And I said, you know, it's Breast Cancer Awareness uh, Month right now. So all the NFL players are wearing pink to raise awareness about breast cancer. But uh, what would even – this had a little bit of a Norm McDonald tone to it, I guess. Uh, you know what would be even better than uh, wearing pink uh, to raise awareness? Uh, it would be having your quarterbacks not rape people with breasts. I think that would even be better for, for breast health in my opinion. So I delivered that joke and people laughed, but there was like, you know, uh, your typical uh, early 20s blonde in the back. Um, and she was like, oh, what? Like she gave like, oh, what? <laughs> and I was like, uh, it's a big story. You don't, you don't know what I'm referencing? Like, no, go on with your football jokes. And I was so mad. I didn't get like mad at her, but I was like, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's on you. That's a big news story. So if you don't know it, that's okay. But you trying to be condescending to me, like like flexing your lack of knowledge, like that's my problem, your lack of awareness, um, happened on one of my album recordings, Keep My Enemies Closer, where I referenced The Godfather, but it was in a much nicer way than that. Um, but the person was kind of like, all right. And I was like, it's a quote from The Godfather. It's a pretty big movie. You might you might want to. 50th anniversary, 50th anniversary right now, by the way, of The Godfather, 1972. How old are we? Old. So I feel like I, I sometimes occupy this weird space of coming from a gener- – raised in a generation where it was good and impressive to have like lots of different knowledge and a variety of topics at your disposal, whereas now it kind of feels like – you know, it's like relief pitching in baseball, 
You know, it used to, you used to want to be a starting pitcher. That meant you were great. Now you just want to be some guy who throws 105, like one pitch for, for seven pitches every other game. And it's like, yes, we will pay him $20 million. He's our specialist out of the bullpen. That's how it feels sometimes. So when I reference, uh, you know, I'll, I feel like nobody ever gets all of my stuff. And that's what makes me me. I'm like a snowflake. None are uh, the same. And, you know, my collection of humor and knowledge is just uh, good for me. I would be my best audience. There'd be no better audience member than me to watch me do comedy. So that was uh, long and pointless. But uh, I promise the episode won't go too much longer because I got to walk the Cookie Bear Covan, uh, who is struggling with this. Co- she's just terrified of everything. She's she's. She takes her piss. She she walks into she's walked multiple times into signs because she never stops looking behind her because I guess she thinks somebody's gonna come and choke her out like at an MMA match or something. But she is just really paranoid outside, and it's gotten worse somehow. So sometimes she walks into signs and lamp posts and things, and it's funny and tragic because I'm like, you'd think an animal after giving themselves, you know, NFL-style concussions walking into parking meters, would eventually stop looking behind every second because the thud on their head might hurt a lot, too. But she is uh, stubbornly devoted to her all-encompassing fear. So that's my dog. Not afraid of always being afraid. So... (laughs) Talk about the special, and then I'll... uh, I guess I have a couple of reviews. I just finished... um, the Dead Are Arising by Les Payne, the Malcolm X biography. Very good, very richly written book. Um, so I enjoyed that. Next book up is uh, I Came as a Shadow, which is a story about Mike Pence's closeted lifestyle. No, it's about uh, John Thompson, the recently departed uh, Hall of Fame uh, basketball coach of Georgetown University. So I look forward to that. It made, I think, the, top, the New York Times top 100 books last year. So that's, that's, uh, that's good. Um, so that – and then I have my books and my, my – I, I, today, because I'm just looking so forward to my journeys across the country, um, I, I loaded the first two things I downloaded to my tablet for my cross-country Amtrak journeys, um, Hawkeye on Disney Plus and Raised by Wolves on HBO Max. So those will be the two shows along with uh, some books on my way out to California. Then I have some internal travels in California where I have a, you know, a third book and then uh, a book for the way back uh, for my way to Vegas, headed to v- go from LA to Vegas to to Salt Lake City and then back home. It is a long winding journey, but I look forward to it. Uh, just peace reading programs, seeing the country practicing my my craft and uh you know like like an old-time politician riding the rails um (laughs) but um on the way back i will uh download uh, the first season of gamora on hbo max um because i've been waiting to watch that for a while so uh i was just feeling positive and already set up my tablet nine days in advance because i'm a psycho um but i got four books three shows and f- four sketches to write on my travels around the country. So that's it. It'll be fun. Um, I'm looking forward to it. It might not be fun for other people, but I'm looking forward to it. Um, but after that, what did I watch recently? I watched Coda on Apple, Pl- uh, Apple TV. Um, I liked it a lot. Um, Maybe a little, uh, even though I, I find whenever I watch any acapella group or choir practicing in a movie, especially a group of mostly white kids who are really feeling the soul of the music, I want to crawl into my own skin and die. Um, no matter, even if the singing is really good, like acapella, I'm not talking like boys to men or some shit like that. I'm just saying like college, aca- like it, it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> like 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 preppy preppy kids like majority white just feeling it and like oh i'm feeling this it's like i'm even i can't accurately impersonate it or replicate it because it makes me uncomfortable um so watching that other than that uh just to be clear coda is about um a deaf family but they have one daughter who can sing and she can hear um 
so like it create you know it's a it's very uh, very enjoyable movie uh some good humor um m- what's her name marley matlin uh real hot for uh uh like a 60 something year old uh, you thought i was gonna say diff no no wrong wrong that's on you that's your hatred that's your anti-disabled people agenda um but I, I said I came to the conclusion that Marley Matten looks like a smoking hot Molly Shannon. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, <laughs> but movie's good. I enjoyed it. It's not perfect, but it is. It is very enjoyable and very much worth a watch. I'll tell you what's not worth a watch: Encanto, which I watched on Disney Plus. Um, Encanto sucked. Encanto, go for that. No. No can do. That's what I posted that on a. Uh, that's a Hall and Oates reference, by the way, for all my people who don't know their Hall and Oates, which is maybe most of you. Um, you know, and uh, although I would hope some of the people who got the Teddy Kennedy reference also get the Hall and Oates reference, because then we're really. If you guys are fucking missing on 1980 to 83 references like if you're only getting one of two then i really am parsing this too much um Encanto sucked though that's that's all i that's my review for that it in uh, trump gave one of the funny like if if anybody here listens to making podcasts great again or, or likes my trump stuff and is interested in both supporting my show and hearing some really really bonus like a lot of monthly bonus funny stuff my reviews of Encanto and the tragedy of Macbeth, which is on Apple TV, are both done by Trump on this week's on this month's Rotten Oranges, which is the movie review show I do as a bonus as one of the bonuses for for making podcasts great again. But they were exceptional. I do say that with all humility and gratitude. They were exceptional. And Encanto. uh, God, what a waste. I'm sorry. Like, what a waste. That's all I like. Um. And it, maybe it's racist to compare it to Coco, so I try not to, except for right now. Um, Coco is one of the greatest animated movies of all time. It's in the Pixar Mount Rushmore for me. It's a ma- it's a masterpiece of everything: animation, script, heart, humor, like amazing, amazing movie. And so it's it's kind of, you know, unfair, but to sort of go, oh, Disney's, you know, Pixar did theirs and now Disney's dump, jumping into a, a, a Latin, uh, as I said, as Trump, uh, it's a Latinx, a latex, what do they call it? Spanx? What's the, uh, the what's, excuse me, I'm, excuse me, I'm trying, I'm asking what the term is. What's the term? Is it, is it latex? They identify as latex people or the Spanx or is Spanx a slur? I don't know. You call them. If you see them walking down the street, you say, oh, "Look at these spanks." Is that racist? Okay, so I'll call, if they want, excuse me, if they want to be called latex, I'll call them latex. Okay, it's the left that's racist. I'll say what they want. I'm, I'm very open to saying what they want to say. So the latex people in Encanto, very weak, very bad movie. No, I, I, I really just didn't enjoy it at all. It was just a nothing to me, and that takes nothing away from the fact that the animation is beautiful. So it's it's even worse. It's like a it's like a uh, it's that movie is like a hot thirteen year old with no personality, uh, <laughs> folks. I only made it a child because it's a children's movie. Okay, do you not get that? That's why I made that. That wasn't me talking about my preferences. Okay, that wasn't. I like my women like I like my cinema okay born in the 70s and bisexual (laughs) that was both a reference to cinema with a c meaning the 1970s cinema which is a golden age of movie making and also kirsten cinema a piece of shit bisexual senator though disclosure uh warning her piece of shit status has nothing to do with her sexual orientation. I want to make that very clear. Her piece of shit status simply refers to her character, not her identity or her orientation. But she also happens to be bisexual, which was the other reference in my cinema comment about liking my women the way I like my 19th, my cinema, born in the 70s and bisexual. 
And to be fully clear, that part's not even true. I just like my women born in the 70s. I think, have I ever been in a relationship with a woman who was not born in the 1970s? Um, let's hopefully not offend any of them 1980s decade booty calls. Um, yeah, no, I think every relationship I've had has been with a woman. Um, yeah, no, I don't know why I'm taking so long to think about that because, uh, yeah, every woman I've ever been in a relationship with has been born in the 1970s. So the bisexual part isn't even true. Uh, but I'm not, uh, you know, just um, trigger warning. I'm actually not discriminating against. I'm just saying it isn't true. But it's 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 something we could be open to because we're an inclusive podcast and uh, an inclusive podcaster here. So um, just want to make sure that uh, none of this gets taken out of context and uh, turned against me. So thank you for listening to this. Um, and uh, I am now canceled. Uh, but Encanto sucked. The tragedy of Macbeth was tough because I enjoy uh, Shakespeare. Okay. And as Trump said, I'll give you a preview. Shakespeare isn't that racist? They have a black Macbeth, and all of a sudden they're saying Shakespeare. If I had said, if I had David Washington in a movie and I told him to Shakespeare, they'd say, sir, you're racist, sir. You're very racist. That's very racist, sir. How could you do that, sir? But now the radical left, they can they can put an African-American in a movie and say Shakespeare, and it's okay. It's totally okay. You see that? But you see what the left does? This is what the left – okay, that's enough of a preview. But that's the kind of content we're dropping, and by we, I mean me, on the Patreon uh, for making podcasts great again. It's worth trying for a month. You might really, really enjoy it. Anyway, don't, feel free not to. Um, we're still working on JL Prime Max, JL Max Plus Prime. Is that how I – I forget already what, what order I said. Um, but anyway, you know what I'm talking about if you're a listener to this podcast. And if this is your first episode listening, uh, go listen to a few back episodes and you'll totally understand 10% more of what I'm talking about. Uh, but the tragedy of Macbeth, yes, it was acting. Yes, it was it was very artistic. Yes, uh, Apple, for some reason, all their shit is like the highest level of camera quality. But I liked reading Shakespeare in high school because you had the little footnotes that would explain to you what certain words meant. You know, I always liked it when it was a word that you thought you knew what it meant. It was like take him to the church, and it would be like asterisk, and then you go to the like the 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 page on the other side, and it'd be like church means bowel movement, and it's like what Shakespeare? How is that? How does church mean bowel movement? Anyway, you're a genius, um, but. We have those Folger editions. Um, sorry, I already mentioned Taster's Choice earlier, but we have now competing coffee brand references on this week's episode. But yes, uh, the Folger editions that we used that I used in high school. Um, you know, I enjoyed reading it because it's the, the language is very dense. Everything is the language is chosen for a reason, and it's been twenty plus years since I opened a Shakespeare play, so when I'm watching them like mow through the language at like a high conversational speed, I'm like, okay, I think I caught what that sentence meant. And yes, they meant this and they meant this. Um, but it, you know, it was a chance for, 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 you know, two time Oscar winner Denzel Washington and three time Oscar winner Francis McDormand to like, you know, masturbate their acting chops. And it was good. And, but it's one of those movies that I really can't be like, it was amazing because I really, if I were a Shakespeare scholar or somebody who was still regularly reading Shakespeare, if I had just read Macbeth like a year ago or six months ago and had really dove into it, I probably would have appreciated it more. But I felt like you almost feel like you're kind of listening to a foreign language in, in, a, in a way um, that sounds like English. <laughs> so that's not a critique. But, I, you know, there's going to be plenty of people who are like, uh, Jill, you didn't like it? Wow. Wow. Um, I thought it was devastatingly brilliant. I thought McDormand and Denzel were towering powerhouses at the height of their skill and craft. Um, and I would go, yeah, it seemed like it was all right, but uh, I'm just going to be honest about my deficiencies as a Shakespearean scholar right now. If I had watched that shit uh, when I was 20, I probably would have really, really enjoyed it because I would have been coming off like reading six Shakespeare plays and studying them. But it's been a while. Um, I watched The Tender Bear today. Uh, and I say that because uh, even though it's supposed to be in Long Island, it just felt like Ben Affleck. It felt like a sequel to Goodwill Hunting. Like once Goodwill 
leaves uh, Boston. Then Ben Affleck's character moves to Long Island to, to move in with his dad, even though they're from Boston, so it wouldn't make sense, and becomes like a good uncle who then watches his nephew go off, like go off and have his own goodwill hunting adventure. Uh, it was a fine movie. I think some people are really enjoying it and some people aren't, but it was, it was fine. Um, good enough, I'd say. Uh, but right now, I mean, the movie that I enjoyed the most by far, Coda was very enjoyable. Coda was the best movie of this weekend, and I'm three or four episodes into the new season of Narcos, finally. Uh, and I'm working finally on just turning it into a bit. My, my, my jokes about black drug dealing shows, black and Latino drug dealing shows, the Emmys are just like, well, that's kind of what they do. Is Are they really acting? Can you really call it acting when... Afro-Americans. I just finished the Malcolm X biography, so I, I felt like it would be funny to drop in an antiquated reference to black people. Afro-Americans and um, Hispanic Latinoix people. Is it really a stretch? But when you show me Brian Cranston or Jason Bateman, these are some of our comedic white actors, and they're getting deep, as the blacks would say, deep into the drug game. Can I call it a game? Can I call it the game? They're getting into the drug the game, and uh, that's real acting. And even when one of our great underrated, underappreciated actors like Mary Louise Parker, you know, the, the Marissa Tomei when you can't afford uh, Marissa Tomei, when she shows up in weeds and she's humorously dealing weed, I think we should maybe award that comedy some awards and nominations as well. But no, Snowfall, The Wire, Narcos, I think they should just be happy that we're not throwing them in jail just for looking like drug dealers. So I'm going to work on that bit. Um, but Narcos, love Narcos. But it's definitely, I mean, I'm enjoying it. But by now, it's just not... It's not even a shot at the show, but it was just like an A, like the, the, the Columbia episodes were A pluses. And I thought the first season of Mexico was like really surprisingly strong considering the total shift in the show. But now it's like good. It's still very good. So I'm enjoying it. But it's like I, I'd be lying if I was just like, it's the greatest show. It's as good as ever. But I'm but the fucking point is I'm enjoying it. So I'm, I'm, I'm starting to clean up some of the content, which is good. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, instead of being, uh, backlogged with 90 things of content, I've cut it down to like 38. Um, but my favorite thing that I watched so far, I guess this year. Yeah. I watched it January 1st, uh, is Cruella. I thought that shit, that, that movie was the fucking shit. Like I, I'm like really surprised at how, like, I just didn't expect to love that movie, but it was just, it was a real strong work, um, everybody involved it was just it was just a really fucking good enjoyable movie um didn't didn't have to check my phone wasn't bored wasn't just you know i had one beef with like the first 10 minutes of the movie and then it was just fucking an a from that point on so i guess that's that next movie up will be power of the like a i say power of the like a dog because every time i say the word dog i want to say like a dog like a Filthy Doug. Amorosa, we've heard of like a Doug. Um, one of my favorite quotes from Making Podcasts Great Again, uh, when Andrew Cuomo left his dog in Albany, and I said as Trump, he left the dog like a Doug. <laughs> I am trying to do a video either today or tomorrow of my, um, you know, supporting Novak Djokovic, who, let me just say this right here. As a tennis player, one of my two favorite tennis players of all time, I think he is the greatest tennis player of all time. Nadal's the other one, in case you're wondering. But what a fucking dick. What a fucking asshole. And as a competitor, it kind of makes me like him more because I know he's just going to fucking try to destroy people from here on out, which will make for good tennis watching as he embraces the heel role. But... And and he has like a very good reputation aside from his like pseudo faith based odd selfish medical health habits. He has like a pretty good reputation among other players as being like a good dude and like a, a supportive member of the tennis community. So it is very disappointing. And I know this can be just like a, oh it's a vax a vax. Man, everybody else did the shit. Like the country has rules. And you fucking like lied or like or, or tried to skirt around them or whatever. Like 
Because he either, he did one of two things. He's either lying about testing positive so that he could get a medical exemption, or he tested positive and was completely selfish and reckless in the way he acted while positive with COVID. And neither of those reflects very well at all on him or the people who've decided all of a sudden they're fucking huge tennis fans of Novak Djokovic. Like, what's your favorite thing about Novak Djokovic's tennis game? Is it his world-class famous return game? No, it's pretty much that he's telling the left to go fuck themselves when it comes to their vaccines. That's my favorite. My favorite part of tennis is when Novak Djokovic just says, fuck you. That's the kind of tennis. They should be teaching that at your local tennis club. You go in, your wife maybe fucks the tennis instructor, but but before that, he says, no vaccines. And I'd be like, well, here's your money, man. I appreciate you and what you're doing in the tennis sport, even though I don't play it. Have fun with my wife. I'm a MAGA cook. So, uh, (laughs) the... So I just want, yeah, Novak Djokovic, a huge fan of the way he plays, uh, and I like his fire, and like I said, for in many ways, he has a good rep, but like this is, this is a big deal, and for people to be like, oh, so one thing, well, yeah, like we're in a pandemic, and he's demonstrated an insane amount, an insane level of selfishness, which, which obviously he's, a, he's an individual athlete, he's not a team sport athlete, but it's just, come on. And, and even if you're somebody who thinks the pandemic is overblown or this or that, whatever you think, the fact is you're going to a foreign country. They're entitled to pass the laws and regulations that they want. You need to abide by that and not try to fuck over or lie or scam the system. And, you know, so even if you don't agree with, with me on that, but you, 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 there's, you know, the country is entitled to during this time to take reasonable measures. And, you know, it seems like the country, not this, not just the government, but it seems like the citizenry of Australia is pretty firmly supportive of, of this decision to strip him of his, of his visa and kick him the fuck out. I think it's terrible for the sport. I do feel, I feel bad for Djokovic. I'm not going to sit here and be like, fuck him motherfucker. I, I, I feel bad because he's chasing history. He's a great player. He's been a great champion in Australia. So like, even if it's of even if it's of his own doing, I can still feel bad for him for doing this. But it is of his own doing. Like, let's not mistake that and be like he's a he's not a he is a victim of a self a self inflicted wound. So I can feel bad that he's you know maybe feels bad, but you know he's still fucked up and needs to pay a price. So anyway, um, what else was I going to review? I don't know. What, I, what was I even talking? Why did I even get into talking? I felt like I had to say something about Djokovic because I'm such a fan of his play. Um, but I don't know. Come see me perform, blah, blah, blah. Um, did I review anything else? Did I watch anything else? Encanto sucked. We did that. Encanto really sucks. I just feel like I need to say that a few more times. Encanto fucking sucks. Um and I watched The Tender Bar, which is okay. Power, oh, Power of the Dog is the next movie up. Power of the Dog and Finishing Narcos. And then Ozark comes back. You know, those crafty white actors and their drug dealing. God, they're so, they're so good at pretending to be bad people, unlike people of color who just, they do their drug dealing and then they just film it and people act like it's acting. <laughs> <laughs> is that what it is is that what it is do racist academy voters and emmy voters do they think that <laughs> is that what happened they they just thought it was like a documentary they thought the wire was just about real people and they were like oh no it's good it's uh it's it's uh very powerful but uh you know uh, this is these are acting awards not documentary awards um narcos yeah i didn't it had subtitles that's another strike against it unless you were a model minority we will not respect your subtitled shows. Not afraid of singling out Asians for praise. Uh, but I do love Squid Game, and I hope that wins some shit. Um, okay, so I think we're done, right, guys? I'm, you're probably all saying, yeah, no, no, JL, you are fucking done. What the fuck episode was this, dude? Well, the good thing is this will go up on Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. Esquire's uh, birthday, guys. So you'll have something to, uh, you know, you, you just like MLK had a dream of little black boys and little black girls hanging out with little white boys and little white girls. I'm, I'm MLK's nightmare. 
He's like, sometimes they can get... That didn't sound good. No, I haven't watched enough clips yet. I need to... I'll get him. I'll, you know what, guys? I'm going to get a Martin Luther King Jr. impression. It's not too late, right? Do some viral videos as MLK, like ordering fast food. <laughs> and then people can lip sync it and get more video, more views than me. Um, but you'll have something to listen to on his birthday. You know, when you're cutting up the cake and destroying voting rights, you can say, content of our character. <laughs> content of our character. That is, uh, yeah, we're going to hear a lot of that from Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and Ted Cruz and other great people like that on his birthday. We're going to hear about content of the character and how the Democrats for trying to get more access to voting are the real racists. Anyway, America, not afraid of going down in flames. We're at, we're at an early Hindenburg stage, I think, for this country. So let's all enjoy it. See that? For once, the country got me negative and not my comedy career. Oh, my special. Guys, why didn't you remind me? That's what this all was about. I went on a fucking, what, an 18-minute detour when all I wanted to do was tell you about my special. So let's make it quick. The special. I have an offer on the table. Not from a platform, but from somebody who's going to basically act as an agent for it. The terms are onerous borderline criminal and I may still take it because unfortunately I think I've told you I haven't spoken too much in public but I maybe give off a thirsty desperate vibe but you know what I am when it comes to this special I need this to be seen by as many people as possible and my goal is to sell it to a platform um, and if anybody can help me with that goal it's worth it's worth giving a lot. Now I have to issue a counter offer because the offer I got was, was, was truly, you know, would, would make, would make, you know, biblical loaning look, uh, fucking kind. Uh, but it was, uh, I'm going to negotiate hopefully a little bit on it, but, but basically this is about getting it on a streaming platform. And if it doesn't get on a streaming platform, I, by that, I also am including, I'm saying HBO Showtime, Amazon Prime, Netflix, obviously, um, you know, one of those. If it's not on one of those, then to make money off of it, I'm basically going to need to rely on every fucking person who's a fan of mine buying it or renting it, buying it, um, you know, off of Apple or Amazon or whatever. But it's it's rough because... I'm going to need like to turn a serious to make some serious money on it. I'm going to need like thousands of people to buy it, which is which is rough, but I'm just forewarning you. Um and that's the part that really sucks because I don't have a lot of faith. Like like I have hundreds of thousands of fans or followers. I have thousands of listeners listen to me each week as Trump and then hundreds of you listen to me as me. And the special is great. That's that's not the issue. Like, that's why I'm so desperate to, I, I will, I will give myself a bad deal if it gives this special a better chance, because I believe this special is, um, not to quote the matrix, but I believe this special is the one I believe this special is the thing that I've waited my career for. And I've had a lot of good moments and I've put out a lot of good shit, but this special, this is it. This is it. It's it or it's the finale. And I, that's not a threat. That's not me being depressed, but that's what it is. This is the thing that if, if I have a 2% chance, better chance, if I have to give away part of the rights to the, you know, or, or not part of the rights, but, but like a lot of the profit to get this on a platform, I believe in it so strongly that it's worth it because I'm not here. I don't need a payday. I need a career. So I can, if hype, just let's, let's use raw numbers to make them simple. If, if, if the pay was a hundred grand and I only get 30 grand out of that hundred grand, but it goes to Showtime or it goes to HBO or it goes to Netflix, well worth it. We're easily worth it because I'm going to be making hundreds of thousands, if not more touring having people come to my social media, my, 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 my YouTube, like the, the exponential growth that would occur to my body of work would, 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 would dwarf 
the 30 grand or whatever the payout could be hypothetically. And that's a purely that there have been no numbers discussed, but in terms of a percentage, I'm sitting here going, it's not a good deal, but I already, I talked to, uh, people close to me, including my pastor. And no, I didn't talk to my pastor about this. Uh, but that sounds like something, you know, that sounds like a politician. I've sat down with faith leaders and, uh, my family and came to the decision that yes, I will, uh, I will give away a lot of the money from half blackface because if it hits money will never will, will will not be a problem for me again that's how much i believe in the special yet if it doesn't sell and i'm just left hawking it on itunes and amazon video and Vim, whatever other fucking platforms then it's probably time to call it, call it quits it'll be seen by my fans they will support it they will buy it i will thank them but it won't grow it won't grow my career it won't grow, grow my where I want to go. So it's it. It's the ninth inning. Not in the World Series. Like this is the ninth inning in the championship series and I'm trying to get to the World Series. So if I crush this thing, I'm going to win the World Series. And if I hit a double or a single, the game's over. And I can say, well, I made the playoffs. As a comedian, I made the playoffs and not everybody gets to do that. And I had a, I had a good run. And it's, uh, you know, time to hang it up. So that is why I am entertaining seriously, making a deal that I don't consider to be a great deal on its face, but it is because if I can increase the chances of a streaming platform buying this, I have to do it because that's the option. The other option is just, well, okay, I'm not, I'm, it's going to be like everything else I've ever done in comedy where it makes a little bit of money and that's that. So... That's, that's where the special's at. But the good news is if I cut this deal, it could be ready at least for pre-order. It could be ready for pre-order by like the end of February, early March, which would then allow me to start to tie it into the Billions appearance with my to-be-announced publicist who will hopefully, um, you know, work in tandem with wherever the special goes to, to augment my reach and to uh, – get my career out of uh, purgatory. So that's the update on that. Look for half blackface this, uh, you know, late winter, early spring, I guess. So, so that's good news. Um, and besides that, I guess that's it, folks. So please hope to see you. Please go listen to Making Podcasts Great Again if you don't already. Um, Subscribe to my YouTube uh, channel, put, posting a lot of new videos. Oh, that was, I think, what got me off on Novak Djokovic uh, is that I'm going to be posting uh, in the next day or two, I guess, a video of Trump, Mike Lindell, maybe Mike Pence, and Don Jr. just offering their support and uh, uh, solidarity with with. Uh, Novak Djokovic. So uh, that's something to look forward to. So I hope you're subscribed to my YouTube channels. I hope you uh, listen to both podcasts. Um, stream my albums if you haven't already to get yourself primed for either live shows if you're coming to the live shows in Chicago, Burbank, San Jose, or Salt Lake. Um, and uh, give this show five stars, right? And so I hope to see you at a show. And uh, that's it. I'm rambling now. So thank you for listening. Enjoy your holiday. Enjoy your week. Stay healthy. Stay safe. And I will see you next Tuesday, even though this is going up on a Monday. Podcast, podcast.